Welcome to the Michigan Film Vault, everyone. A podcast about movies, specifically, uh, that take place in Michigan or were set in Michigan or have some kind of Michigan connection. We're getting kind of loosey-goosey with it as we... Uh, mainly because we wanted to talk about RoboCop, and we discovered RoboCop wasn't really shot in Michigan. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was shot in Dallas, but you know, yeah. I think I think it pulls off the trick of being, uh, you know, Detroit faithful in many mm-hmm. ways, which we'll get into. But yeah, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, Dallas is basically future Detroit. So yeah, yeah there you go. You know, in in most ways, some would say. Yeah, but for um, those listening at home, who are you? Uh, my name is Nick Noel. Uh, I am a person who lives in Michigan. Um, and uh, who are you? <laughs> I'm uh, Matt Giles, and I also am a person who lives in Michigan. And we actually don't even know each other. We just we were like, hey, we both live in Michigan, and then yeah, just <laughs> press record, and this magic is unfolding before your listening ears. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, we uh we didn't really. We've never we've never revealed our backstory. Maybe this could be the flashback episode of the Michigan Film Vault where we talk about uh those years of 2007 to 2009, is that right? Yeah, well, Matthew, for you probably. Yeah, I th- yeah, cuz I was I was in college from 2006 to 2010 and we probably met somewhere in the middle of that yeah. four-year span for me. So, yeah, that 2007 to 2009 sounds about sounds right. Sounds about right. That is insane. Uh, I just realized we've known each other for a decade. <laughs> yeah. What's funny what is <laughs> that this, this morning, uh, we, you know, we were supposed to record this podcast this morning, but I had to delay it a little bit because uh, my girlfriend and I went out to help her sister with um, clearing out some stuff. And she actually mm-hmm. lives in Ypsilanti. And because I'm uh, a nostalgic bastard, I was sure. like, Hey, let's drive by Eastern. And so I actually went uh I, I went to see if any anyone happened to be in Quirk because the building was open and I was, you know, again, feeling nostalgic. Uh, no one was there. I think no. there was a, a theater class doing something <laughs> in the hallways, truly, but uh, the rest of the building was empty. But yeah, I was, I was feeling uh, nostalgic and wanted to walk through mm-hmm. the building. So, you know, and I think we either, we either met in Quirk or we met uh, in Ford or Prey Herald, one of those three. Uh, it must have been i want to say P- ford i'm yeah. trying to remember which one prey herald was prey Herald's next to quirk that's like the main like i feel okay. like everyone had classes there but our film yeah. our film classes were mainly in quirk and ford so. yeah it must be ford because uh yeah like that's that's where the tv studio was right yeah exactly yeah. yep so yeah matt and giles and i actually do have sort of a background in film and uh matt we're, we're legit matt, you're, like you're actually a legit like film critic you know you've you're a journalist sort of <laughs> yeah i would say emphasis on the sort of i uh, <laughs> i i shy away from thinking that uh i'm you know a legit you know film critic and i say I, you know again i, I think say film cr- i think you've been doing it consistently for a long time for uh actual local publications so yeah. i think you can you can call yourself a film critic yeah sure okay but i mean my i guess my goal and this is the this is the thing that like makes me sound like a i don't know like a dated asshole um but (laughs) i i you know again i'm old school and i love things in print in tangible form so the fact that like you know the newspaper industry is all but 
dead. It's like, I feel like I can't call myself a legitimate critic until I've seen my work in, in a printed source, which is not to say that I think anyone who's doing things online is, you know, any less than, but it's just kind of that writerly thing in me of like wanting to hold something in my hands that I haven't, mm -hmm. you know, printed out myself. So. Yeah. And, and just so uh, people are even more confused, you're 32, right? <laughs> you're not 55. Um, well, yeah, thir good job. 32. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if we look at, you know, anyone who knows me would say like, you know, 32 going on like retirement age. Cause no, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I, I, with every actual year that I age, it's like, it's something like dog years. I age another seven. So right mm -hmm. now I should be like into my hundreds. So <laughs> that eventually that's where I'm at. Yeah. But, you're, yeah. you're yelling at those old whippersnappers to get off your lawn. Exactly. I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, on a podcast. You yeah. Know, so. <laughs> Yeah, where everyone can hear me exactly. Um, but yeah, we we you, we met in co we met in college and then kind of became friends because we were we were in the same classes. Um, mm -hmm. Nick Nick was always uh, good with with the quick wit in class, and I think that just kind of yeah, it was quite annoying. I think yeah. is what you mean. You no, know, uh, I but I gravitated towards it, and then yeah. that that led to me that, writing for you, which was my first like. Oh geez, yeah, we, yeah. Even that thing that did not last because uh, I am bad at everything. <laughs> I've been trying assassins. to make, I've been making podcasts for about 15 years. Uh, no, no, not that long, but 10 or so. And yeah. I've never had a successful one. And this one won't be either, but they're fun. They're yeah, fun well, and they're easy. So, you know, I've never been your sole co-host. So I think, yeah, I we got We could say that this one's going to be successful. We got to get we've that established. I'm legit. So there we go. We, we got to get that big G energy up in here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So fucking RoboCop, man. <laughs> like it had been a while since, not since I'd seen it, but, you know, basically I watched it re about five or six months ago. I watched it again yesterday, but up until then I hadn't seen it for probably like 10 years before I re recently rewatched it. Did you watch um, the theatrical or the director's cut, or did you do both? I whichever one's on Amazon, man. I don't know which All is right. the is the which is the theatrical. Is well, it toned down for violence, basically. Yeah. So here's here's a good way of, of summarizing. In the director's cut, uh, when Murphy is like <laughs> brutally gunned down, the director's cut shows that like the first shot that they fire actually blows off his right arm okay, entirely yeah. and then there's more like of a violent way like when he's shot in the head you kind of see the back of his head mm -hmm. explode um <laughs> so and there's there's other violent more violent scenes like i think like you know the guy who gets shot by the ed 209 like hit, there's a lot more squibs happening uh mm -hmm. in that scene in the director's cut than there is in the theatrical so um yeah i definitely saw, saw the director's cut oh you did okay yeah well, i I didn't even know if I could get the theatrical. I don't know where I would go for that. Well, I'm surprised that you found uh, the director's cut. But either way, that I seems mean, to be the one that's on Amazon. I don't right, know. Well, yeah. I mean, let me put it this way: if it wasn't the director's cut, then I don't know what the point of the director's cut was, because uh, or what they had a problem with in the theatrical cut, because like his hand exploded. You saw it come out the back of his head. That guy got shot a lot. 
yeah, by Ed Two Hundred Nine. So, like, if they if if that was the toned down version, then what Did the you, hell? <laughs> okay, well, uh, here because again, I've seen both uh, several times. Uh, both Did you versions. watch both for this podcast, like back to back, like no, a psychopath? Just, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, uh, did at any point, like right before he like finally puts Murphy out of his misery and, and shoots and kills him, did at any point, did he look like he was a dummy, like a, like a, you know, like a... Did Murphy? Yeah, at any point. I don't think so. Okay, so you saw the theatrical then, because okay. the, mm-hmm. the, the, the director's cut shows like, uh, you can tell it's like a clear, um, like dummy version of him kind of sitting up to get the basically the head explosion to look proper. So yeah, if you can believe it, the, the director's cut is so, even more brutal. So it must, like the director's cut must've been so brutal that like by only by comparison, is this one? Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, we'll take off a few, like, cause you can, when you watch the director's cut though, you can see how they kind of edited around it because so the whole thing <laughs> This is like everyone listening is like tuning out now. Like, I don't want to hear about some guy Matt, losing his Matt, limbs. It's fine. No one's yeah. listening. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly. You just got to lean into that. Yeah, okay. Like, well, you know what? Here's like, say something horrible about your girlfriend. She'll never know because she's not even going <laughs> to listen to this. No, she actually can hear me right now. So, oh, well, crap. Yeah. Use a fake name. Say something yeah. about Diane. Yeah. She won't know. All That's right. Funny. Well, uh, but no, in the, uh, in the, in the director's cut. So, Murphy, the whole thing is like Murphy, they first shoot his hand off and then he like walk, he tries to walk away and uh-huh. then like they just basically kind of like unload, you know, firearms onto him sure. pretty much. In the director's cut, you actually see like it's a wider shot and you see one guy fire the gun first and you see the ret like his hand is blown off, but then like the rest of his arm basically from the shoulder down, someone takes a shotgun and blows that off and you see that fly off Jeez. of him and he Okay he kind of turns around and realizes what has happened and then starts screaming. And then the gunfire ensues Mm -hmm. and it lasts a lot longer before he like falls to his knees. Um, And in the theatrical cut, they actually, you can see how they kind of had to like zoom in a little bit because you see him kind of turn his head and scream, but you don't see the arm like fly off. So yeah, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit okay. more brutal in that scene. It's basically like Murphy's death was too graphic, so they had to mm. tone it down to a still graphic but R-rated graphic. But, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like once you get the R rating, just do what you want. I don't know. Yeah. I guess there are higher ratings, and especially in like England, they even have like a step up or something. So. Yeah. When we get when it. we get kind of deeper into this movie, I'll explain. Like we are, or I am, kind of harping a lot on uh, Murphy's death, but I think actually, like for the point of the movie and kind of why I love it so much and like why it keeps making me think that that death scene. I think I don't think it can be any other way. Like I think it needs to be like that because this is a movie about a guy who literally has all of his humanity taken away from him and somehow has to regain it by the end of the movie. So seeing him gunned down in the way that he is, is, you know, a major kind of like, wow, there's nothing left. Like, I do think it was nice of the shotgun people to just avoid his lower jaw, like completely. (laughs) 
so that uh, you could really just see Peter Weller's just very sensual mouth uh, throughout the entire movie. That was very nice of them. Yeah. Because uh, it wouldn't have been uh, as enjoyable experience, I think, for everybody if if that was if that if that old pucker was was messed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and granted, you know, he's got a lot of body armor on. So that I think is like how, you know, in in terms of the movie, they probably are like, well, this is how he survived all these gunshots because a lot of the body armor, like he's still, you know, he ain't walking away from that, but uh, he doesn't die as quickly as they, as they think he will. And again, in the director's cut, the one, the one dude who ends up getting exposed to the chemicals at the end and is going around going like, like doing Mm -hmm. that. He actually turns to uh, Clarence Boddicker and says, hey, Clarence, he's still alive. And then Clarence goes up to him and, you know, finally puts him out of his misery. But um, but yeah, I think that um, like so that makes sense in terms of the movie. But I think it's also a testament to just like Peter Weller and like the character of Alex Murphy that like when you first meet him, you kind of think of him as just kind of this everyman and the dude survives longer than he definitely should so he's Mm -hmm. he's he's made of something like yeah he's he's got he's got it whatever it is he's got it that's true yeah um you know it is it's 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 interesting um and and so i used to not like rewatching movies i don't know why but (laughs) i used to just like get bored or or just think i'd rather watch something new and i still kind of in like that but i've been liking rewatching some things and and I've noticed with this movie too, um, like you pick up on different stuff each time you're watching it. Like I am, for one, I was still surprised with how it begins. Like I forgot about like the weird commercials. Yeah, <laughs> and like, I buy that for a dollar. Yeah, it doesn't, which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any damn sense. Like, but it also shows like indicative of like terrible catchphrases and kind of like. Um, you know, low art, if you will. Yeah. And I think it, um, I, th- I think it does a good job. Like again, going since we started this by talking about how we met in college, we took a lot of screenwriting classes together and it does a good job of, in my opinion, anyways, getting a lot of exposition across with, with mm-hmm. the, with the idea of seeing ads that are not really on point, but give you a sense of the world in which, this movie is taking place. So we know again on the outside that it was shot in Dallas, but the movie itself is set in Detroit and what these commercials are doing are giving you a sense of like what Detroit has become in this movie within the reality of this movie and kind of what people are interested in because it's supposed to be like a near future type world. Um, And it just, it really does a good job of kind of like establishing it's weird tone of like mm-hmm. comedy and darkness, um, I guess in a, in a lot of ways, but I like it because while it is, you could argue, you know, people on the screen talking at you, it's not, it's not people having dialogue where they're just giving exposition. It's like, yeah. And it's, it's better than, you know, the dreaded, you know, title card that comes up on, on a screen to kind of give you a bunch of information that, usually uh happen in lower budget or um less than uh well thought out i guess movies although i th- does blade runner have one 
Well, Blade Runner, it depends on which version because the voiceover. Oh, I keep forgetting there's like a billion versions of Blade Runner. But the original, the original theatrical has the 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 horrible Harrison Ford voiceover uh, to try and explain everything that the studio felt that the audience couldn't understand. So that's 100% exposition. I think it's great that Robocop doesn't do that. There's been a ton of, like, I was thinking also of like the really shitty version of Dune. (laughs) <laughs> that like was released where they had like i don't i want to say it was 20 minutes but it must have been more like five minutes of exposition about what you know arrakis is and who the Benny jesuit are and like all this stuff like going over and over and it's just like guys i like we know it's fine like <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out it's fine um but just the lack of confidence that some movies have in in their uh in their audience or in the writing that they that they force them to kind of do these like narrative stuff um one that's not a good movie but uh southland tales i watched last year because it's a stupid crazy batshit movie um and And they somehow suicide yeah yeah the best line ever um but they somehow ruined it, even though it was it came pre-ruined by adding in a bunch of voiceover narration by Justin Timberlake. And it was just god awful. <laughs> like he's explaining stuff and like interjecting and stuff over over the narrative. And I don't know, it just made me mad. Yeah. Um there's also again like a five to ten minute mini vignette movie at the beginning where it explains everything and uh, just not a fan. Yeah. Um, so again, really great that RoboCop didn't do that, and really great that nobody has tried to make them do it. And I think that's you know probably because it was a success, so they don't need to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I think the movie it does a good job. Uh, like again, world building. Um, it the thing that like you you were talking about kind of you know that you didn't remember having rewatched it um i kept thinking uh that the only real introduction to alex murphy that we get is when peter weller first walks into the precinct and is Mm -hmm. given his assignment and then in my mind like that was all we really got to know him and then cut to like the scene where he's spinning his gun because his son likes tj laser like that was the only bit of him that I thought we got, I didn't remember um, him kind of walking through the precinct, getting his own locker, um, mm-hmm. which all of that, like in rewatching, it was really kind of effective because again, it establishes the type of world that we're in. Like, you know, I've, I've not really, you know, ever been inside, um, you know, a precinct of a police department. Mm-hmm. Um, and this like, of all like the many movies that have different variations on police departments. Like, I feel like this one, like it feels gritty enough. It feels real enough and sloppy in some ways because of, you know, the, just how they're kind of overridden with crime. So I like all the attention to detail there. And I like that Murphy is transferred in after another cop is brutally gunned down in the way that they establish you know, kind of the reaction to that is by going up to his nameplate on the locker and removing Mm it. Um, And then you also get the great introduction of Murphy's partner, Lewis, um, when, you know, she basically, you know, hands this bad guy's ass to him in the lobby of the precinct. uh, And then, you know, Murphy finds out that she's his partner. 
Um, so I liked all I had forgotten about like that kind of like little bit with Murphy. And I think everything that we get before he's actually killed is um, kind of a perfect character introduction. Like you don't get too much of him. You don't um, get too little. Like it just like you learn everything you need to know about him um, before he's, he becomes RoboCop essentially. And I think that yeah. works well. So I want to ask you about this because in some ways I find a bit of a disconnect between Peter Weller's portrayal and um, the dialogue that's written for him, at least as Alex Murphy, because uh, Peter Weller is a charming, charming man uh, who um, isn't the most physically imposing character, uh, a person. but is still like, uh, like I said, like I think probably his most famous thing at this point was maybe Buckaroo Banzai, which is the weirdest movie that's ever existed and really only works because Peter Weller is captivating to watch. Um, <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of Leviathan, his uh, the the underwater alien movie. That's I like... forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. Is that like the one that was like the abyss or? Yeah, it's like the abyss and alien, but like Daniel Stern <laughs> is in it. I think Ernie Hudson is in it. And Peter Weller is like the captain of the, the underwater vessel. It's great. It's just okay. Great. No. Yeah. There we go. I think I watched that once a couple of years ago. I don't remember it that well, though. It's probably because um, it was too good to, for your brain to handle. So you just, yeah. You know what? I'm... Sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. um, but. But like, but then like, because like originally, I want to say like Michael Ironside was considered for the role, and there was somebody else um, that I'm blanking on right now. But there were more like larger framed guys, like bigger guys. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't do it because of the way the suit was designed. So like, yeah. the RoboCop suit is actually too big and bulky to have a large person in. <laughs> so they had to get like a more lithe kind of. Uh, Peter Weller, but you know, obviously the movie was written before it was who was cast in it. And so they do a good job of like, like Peter Weller is fantastic in this, but I don't know how well some of the dialogue matches up with, with the character portrayal I see. Like Alex Murphy doesn't seem like a guy who would say dead or alive, you're coming with me, you know, the yeah. as portrayed by Peter Weller. But th- I guess that's my one quibble. And it's just something I noticed this time. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I take the dead or alive you're coming with me to be kind of in the vein of, uh, again, kind of the world that the movie establishes, but also like Murphy wanting to impress his son. Like, you know, even though his son's obviously not with him on the job, the whole thing Mm -hmm. of like, you know, he's spinning the gun around like TJ Laser, like the dead or alive you're coming with me kind of sounds like maybe a catchphrase that he made up for like his son but um you know started using kind of by accident and you know this is entirely possible like i'm reading way too much into it but i just kind of take it as that like it's kind of like a throwaway thing that ends up being like you know a key trademark to uh the type of character that he is i could see i could definitely see um maybe a you're playing it like he's got to act tougher than he actually is because they're so outclassed when it comes to like how many criminals there are versus how many cops. Well, so I could, I could see like maybe that aspect too. 
Yeah, and if you think again, here I am going back to the death scene. Um, but uh, you're just you think, obsessed with murder. Yeah, exactly. Good God, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, but your no, but it, but if you, yeah, if you uh, if you think about it, like he he knows like he's fucked. Like, and yeah. he still says to the guy, "Buddy, I think you're slime." And then like gets his hand blown off, and then it's like very clear, like in that moment, like he's really panicking. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause he's like, Oh my God, like what has happened to me? Um, so yeah, I think that, that it, like, he's got to like, yeah, act tougher than he is. Like he goes in, like they, they decide to go in without backup and arguably mm-hmm. Lewis, uh, is more capable than Murphy is, uh, given what we've seen of her at that point. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's a little well, bit except of she is easily, um, dispatched by a guy uh, just by, I guess, distracting her with his penis? Was that yeah. the implication? Yeah, kind of. Um, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just in the, in terms of, like, what we've seen her do in the movies so far, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's proven that she can kind of handle herself in tough situations. And, I mean, yeah, she does get knocked off um, the edge of, you know, a platform in this place, but she also survives. So that's saying something, even if it's by... Uh, by accident in in some ways whereas i think murphy is trying to prove himself like you know he walks into the precinct and the captain says to him like you work down here for a living you know like uh and i think yeah there's a lot of overconfidence going on but that also helps inform kind of who the character is like he's a guy who is you know literally outgunned um but Mm -hmm. is trying to prove something and then you know again by getting kind of his humanity taken away from him he kind of is built and equipped with all the stuff that he probably wished he had when he was a human you know? mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean that it is it is kind of interesting because like once he's robocop it 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 works it it definitely works you know yeah. it plays more into it so you know and also People people contain multitudes, so like maybe maybe he's one way with his friends and one way with with bad guys. I mean, you know, I might be nitpicking it too much. Um, well, let, let me ask you this though: What do you? Because no. yeah, this is the uh, this is kind of like the ongoing debate with both this and um, and the remake, which we'll get into next time. But uh, is is RoboCop Alex Murphy or is RoboCop? Uh, a robot that thinks it's Alex Murphy. You know, um, I guess that's a good question. It's hard to say, but it's also hard to say, like, are are you you? Yeah. Like, are you a, are you a, some total, like, do you have a personality outside of, of what the concept is of, of who you are? Like, if somebody wiped your memories, would you still be Matt Giles? Like, I would say in my that's opinion, like kind of a philosophical question that is that has kind of gone unanswered. Well, does uh, it matter? Does it matter if he's really who he is? Um, what's the what's the the um, the Argos? Do you know this um, this kind of philosophical thought experiment? Uh, no, actually, I mean, um, I'm sure I've so, seen it explored in things, but I don't but know. I, I could, I might be miss. Uh, interpret or, or misremembering the name but essentially um at the argos was uh jason you know famous greek 
adventurer, uh, mythologi mythological character who, you know, went exploring and throughout their journey, you know, various parts of the ship had to re be rebuilt, you know, so to the point where by the time the ship came back, every piece of it had been replaced by something else. So is that still the ship? Mm. Like, is the ship the collection of pieces or is it the, you know, embodiment of what we call it? You know, it, yeah, and I I would say too, like kind of along those lines, getting a little bit nerdy. Um, <laughs> I you know I'm a fan of uh, of of Doctor Who, and there was um, when Peter Capaldi, my my favorite uh, of the modern day uh, doctors, when he was uh, about to regenerate, they explored that idea in his final Matt. appearance. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, in in the in the Christmas episode where basically these aliens who are not out to do anything evil um, can basically recreate people uh, by uh, using their memories. And the argument in that episode is that, like, what are we, um, you know, are is it still the person that you're talking to mm -hmm. if it's a collection of all their memories? Like, they remember everything and, like, everything from their lives, everything up to their death, like, isn't that still the person? And the episode seems to come out on the side of like, yes, like even if that person has died, but somehow you are able to bring them through all of their memories into a literal form in front of me, it's still them. Like, mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I kind of fall, I, I kind of agree with that. Like to your point about like, if I lost all my memories, like, yes, I would still objectively be the person Matt Giles, but I wouldn't be me anymore. Like, mm -hmm. In my opinion, you'd be the you, legal entity, think? Matt Giles. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd be Brundlefly. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you're a you're a fly who dreamed he was a man. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think we all feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but how can I, where was I going? Oh, so one, um, my my brain was uh, overloaded with rage for a minute there. And he said that Peter Capaldi is the best modern Doctor Who. Go. Every goddamn podcast, you say something ridiculous. And I can't, I, it makes it impossible to move on. Like, All I right. just can't even, like. Let's, let's entertain this for a second here. Let's, let, let me just lay down. The fact my... that, like, David Tennant exists in this world, okay? Like, David he is Tennant. a man who, who I, I lived and David was Doctor T Who, and that just shuts down any d argument that you were ever going to make. Like David Tennant is great. He, as the Doctor, is one of the sappiest and biggest sad sacks um, when it comes to, like, especially even his regeneration scene. Like, it's like, my God, man, go out triumphantly. Not, I don't want to go. Um, like, ugh. I have pro I don't I don't mind I go David out Tennant triumphantly. It is sad. It is yeah. sad. He is a man who has lost everything. Yeah, like, but he. But it's ugh. okay. Peter Capaldi, I like because he's the cranky, cantankerous old man, and that is you know everything that I aspire to be as I age older and older. So his whole not understanding humans, his annoyance with stupid questions, like everything about Peter Capaldi's portrayal of the Doctor is exactly how i wish i could be uh <laughs> if i had a little bit more confidence and like just didn't give a shit and that is why for me capaldi is the best because he's just like he doesn't give a shit and when he does he brings the fury like you know when 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 clara is facing death and he basically 
threatens Macy Williams' character on that. Like, that's one of the, like, just best scenes, in my opinion, in Doctor Who history. But I don't mean to derail this whole thing. We are talking about yeah. Robocop. Robocop, who, yeah. <laughs> who's kind <laughs> of like Doctor Who. Yeah, um, do you think, do you think he, going back to the question, do you think that Robocop is, uh, is, is Alex Murphy or is, is he a robot that thinks he's Alex Murphy, in your opinion? So I, I, at least in this movie, and my memory of the second one is, is clouded because it has been a very long time since I've seen it because I haven't wanted to revisit it. But my, my belief when it comes to this movie is that he is now Alex Murphy as much as I, he can be Alex Murphy, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, what, how do you, do you feel that he's not? I would agree with you. Um, I think the, I mean, again, this isn't saying anything that, you know, anyone doesn't already know, but the, the journey of the movie is him being Alex Murphy, again, getting all of his humanity basically, basically literally ripped away from him and then somehow regaining part of that by the end. But I think that the biggest line that kind of encapsulates, you know, everything is when he, when he asks about, murphy's wife and daughter and he says it in that way he refers to murphy in the third person Mm -hmm. and he says then after that like i can feel them but i can't remember them and i think that is kind of you know as ambiguous and as direct as i feel about you know who he is by the end of the movie like he's he's some he's not alex murphy anymore but he's some other version of him i guess yeah but i mean are you as matt giles are you the same you were when you were 18 years old no you know we're all different versions of ourselves as we as we change and grow Um, somehow i think i was more of an asshole when i was 18 probably because i just had like i thought the world was my oyster then i don't know (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean i think for the most part we were all bigger assholes when we were 18 (laughs) yeah um The other thing I'll say um, is, you know, he also does make, you know, he answers who you are, who are you? And he says Murphy at the end. So he's at least trying to identify himself as, as a care, as that person. Yeah. Um, But also um, as I was thinking through, like there is this interesting thing I noticed in this movie and it's, it's, um, it's commentary on the lives of individuals in the face of um, monumental power structures and systems of injustice in how like the movie is played as a, um, as a win, as like, as if good triumphed over evil. Yeah. Didn't really (laughs) like the bad guy, like the mini bad guy, got killed and RoboCop killed him. Great. But RoboCop still can't kill anybody from Omnicorp or arrest them or do anything. He is still in con- controlled by this corporation. The corporation still owns the police. The corporation still is going to, you know, do evil shitty corporation things like Ed 209 isn't going away. Like all of that stuff is still happening. It's just this guy uh, isn't going to be the one doing it. And RoboCop is, is now him himself. So like how you can, as cogs in the system, 
triumph over other cogs, but you can never escape the system. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, and I think again, going back to kind of the world that the movie establishes, like I think it's, even though it's trying to be futuristic, it is very 80s uh, in a good way. Um, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think that, um, well, it's a it's a rebellion against the, in some ways the the structure of the eighties that kind of very, you know, in the way that a lot of movies are, but in that like very focused on material gain and you know the economy was doing so well comparative to the the seventies that like everybody was gonna be rich forever and you know taxes were lowered and you know reagan was president and everybody was happy and we were gonna beat the russians blah 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 whatever and you know that brought a lot of problems and and people didn't like the the focus on on larger and larger corporations and and the shrinking of um in tr- uh, of uh safety nets for people and and stuff like that but um, and so in this way, in some ways, it's a it's a commentary on that and how the the government was kind of seceding its authority and still continues to secede its authority to um, these corporate entities. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, and I think, like, again, to your point, I think there was this, you know, this desire, this belief in being protected, knowing that, you know, um, I don't know, like. like in the context of this movie like big corporations like that they had your back so like in a weird way like like what you're saying like robocop is like he needs omnicorp to in in order to function like they have the technology you know to basically keep him running repair him which is explored a little bit more in in the second movie um kind of like the mutual need and how that can be corrupted eventually as well um but it is interesting, like, yeah, there is no... Uh, the, the triumph of the movie is that Alex Murphy gained, regained some of his humanity by the end of it, but he is still a product of the big machine. Yeah. And it, I, I don't know, I don't know what and you think. And still beholden to it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if the movie is arguing in favor of that or if it's just illustrating that as part of, you know, the world that it's trying to build. I mean, I would say given the tone of the other elements of the film around you know who they chose to focus on who they made the villain i don't think it's advocating that this is a good thing i think it's just highlighting that this is a reality um and you know like i said it's interesting that the movie is played as if this is a happy ending when it's just things worked out it's just like it's 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 just one small problem was solved yeah but but in the most violent way possible yeah yeah i i i gotta say when what's his name the guy that's like shot by ed 209 like a dude was just like brutally gunned down in the office room and then things just continue yeah nobody gives a shit like what's his name miguel ferrer or whatever when they walk out he's like that's life in the big city yeah and it's just like i don't think it is like i don't think you go to work and get shot by a giant robot most of the time yeah um but but I didn't even realize until I watched it this time that Kenny was the guy they went up the elevator with. Like he was their friend. Yeah. And they, yeah. I guess theoretically. 
but again, I think this movie is a lot more satirical than mm-hmm. than people might think of. Like again, with the ads, with kind of the weird, like it's brutally violent. But them saying like, you know, that's life in the big city is like kind of funny, like in a very mm-hmm. dark way. Like, and I think it like again, it's it's more of a commentary on maybe where we were headed, um, and the way you know in which the movie ends. Like again, kind of you know everyone and no one wins. I think it's just one of those cases, like I said, where like everything just works out. Like Omnicorp is happy that like you know cool, we have a product that works now in the name of RoboCop, and he mm-hmm. seems to be on our side because it was just one guy that was making us look bad. So, you know, we can spin this and, you know, look good at the, in the end and yeah. he can keep doing what he's doing. So it's kind of like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, again, I don't want to give away, um, you know, too much for like, you know, our future conversations, but I think that the remake of RoboCop really kind of delves more into the business and, um, and the marketing spin on certain things. Um, oh, thank God! I can't wait. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna be riveting. I yeah. can't wait for a treatise on treatise on the evils of marketing. Well, if it helps, it's 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 personified in Michael Keaton in the, in the remake. It's, so. it, it, it's uh, maybe maybe a little. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's something that I point out every time, and nobody else thinks is funny but me. Um, is that when RoboCop goes to show the data, the like his recording? Yeah, you know, he's got this giant data spike. Like there's an there's an input in the wall. Like they have a RoboCop <laughs> input. Like what else has that? Why would they have <laughs> that built in already? Like is that just a common port? Like what else is using it besides RoboCop? Why well, do they have that? Again, we we talked about this, you know, not 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 on uh, the airwaves, as it were, but at uh, my birthday celebration, I mentioned, you know, the classic masterclass in filmmaking, Snakes on a Plane, sure. and how that movie, uh, in the scene when uh, a character throws a snake in a microwave and presses a button to to cook the thing, the button <laughs> set the button says snake on it, so. Yeah. Why would a, why would an airplane have you know have a microwave that has a snake button on it? You know <laughs> these questions I don't need answered. I'm fine with it. So I mean I with I need answered. Like you know they just they were like, well, we got this RoboCop thing. Might as well install some shit in this office. I know, but it's it seems like it's a because it's also at the police station. Like I get that maybe there's a different port that is now commonplace, yeah. but what other device? would you be using that you have to have a giant spike insert? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, See, for, it, for, it doesn't for me, the thing that, but like the, the nitpicky things that I get mad at are like, you know, clearly it was like his, his recording of him saying uh, like, I, I had to kill Bob Morrison or whatever the hell his name is for uh, making a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. Like, that is not at all the same footage that we saw when RoboCop confronts him. It's like <laughs> clearly like he's now sitting behind the desk as if he's giving a PSA and mm-hmm. outing himself. So like that, those little continuity things are what bother me, but I, you know, I, it doesn't actually make me enjoy the movie any less. I just enjoy finding those little things and being like, eh, this is yeah. sloppy, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. And also, um, 
again, um, these little flourishes where they were talking about like uh, something like he's he's a cyborg. He records everything. That's that's admissible evidence. Is like, is it? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. He's the first one. We don't have any case law on what is admissible when it's a cyborg. Yeah. Also, I mean, uh, maybe the laws were slightly different back then, but you know, for those who watch Better Call Saul, that that whole uh, idea of like recording someone and then you know using it as admissible evidence, like that was pretty well and thoroughly dispelled in that show. So if you want, if you want a primer on why <laughs> that stuff doesn't just instantly work, yeah, watch watch Better Call Saul. Like that's go. the thing. Like the fact that he's a police officer actually makes it less admissible yeah. because they're not allowed to record you without getting a warrant. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, so it likes, I mean, I guess it could be in the future where, you know, everybody just gets blanket warrants at this point, but who knows? I don't know. I, I guess, I guess that would be for a new, uh, uh, hopefully they explore that in the sequel. What is the Supreme court stance on RoboCop's ability to record suspects? Yeah. But I guess yeah, actually exactly. that's not even true because if you're in public, they can record you. That's why body cams are, are possible. Yeah. So Never mind. They just yeah. can't record you without you knowing. But I guess so, you could also make the case that, you know, Robo, they wouldn't know it, that RoboCop knows it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm getting too into it now, and it's so, not helpful. So, let me ask you going to pull out you, of this tailspin. Yeah. Do you, uh, I assume, I know, I feel like we both like this movie, but where are you on the, the like it or love it scale? Or are you not even on that? Like, what what is your kind of... Overall opinion of the movie, what what things? You know, I think, I think, if I'd thought about it a couple years ago, I would have said like, you know, I like RoboCop. It's fine. It's a good movie. But now I, I pretty much, I do, I do go down on the like, really do love it at this point. Like, I just love everything about it. As like Lauren and I were talking about it yesterday, and it's basically like this movie is made by Kurtwood Smith and Peter Weller. Like, yeah their character interaction is and and their portrayal of their characters because you know everybody almost everyone is cast against type like as, as at least in the main the main villains um i was just reading the guy who played dick jones um was usually cast as like a a more like father figure kind of friendly guy uh, <laughs> up until this movie you know obviously we've talked about like peter weller isn't who you would normally cast as the like lead in a um you know hard uh high violent like action oriented movie um because he's a smaller framed life life kind of person um and you know kurtwood smith is always played like an intellectual or nerdy guy and here he's like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> like, yeah, like, he's... you know, you don't see a lot of glasses wearing balding men as the like head of the uh, drug trade. Like maybe he'd be their accountant in any <laughs> other movie. He'd be the guy like kind of like sniveling up to like the main boss is like, oh, I'm trying to cook the books for you, sir. But like, you got to stop murdering everybody. They're coming down real hard on us. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. I, I th this movie is never never a chore for me. Like it, like if it's on, like I'm I'm usually watching it. Mm -hmm. um, and I should say too, we usually kind of discuss this stuff at like at kind of the start of our, our conversations. But 
Um, there's no way we could do a movie about, you know, Michigan or Detroit focused films and not talk about RoboCop, even though, again, it's, it's only set in Detroit, but shot in Dallas. Um, it's a huge, you know, point of Detroit pride, which still yeah, surprises me. To the me. point, like, there is a statue of RoboCop. Like, this movie's about how much Detroit sucks. Why yeah. is this here? Yeah. But, you know, we, 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 have, we have our things and we latch on to them. So I, you know, there are worse things to latch on to when it comes to, like, you know, people or things that are from Detroit. You know, like, we, it could be, like, you know, pe- people immortalize Kid Rock for crying out loud. So <laughs> I, for one, am much happier to have RoboCop be yeah, celebrated I mean- as a point of pride in the city um, for what he represents and what the movie kind of is. Uh, in so terms, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. In terms of statues that are up in municipal American uh, cities or municipal areas in, a, in America, I think RoboCop is probably better than, I don't know, let's say Southern General uh, <laughs> during the Civil War, maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe we'll be, like, I, I think, like, if we just had a national, like, let's replace every uh, Southern... Uh, <laughs> Every every statue of of some southern soldier for this uh, who who fought for the South in the Civil War um, with uh, just a fun movie character like that's something I could get behind. That would kind of unite us all. Like yeah. just pick the movie that um, best exemplifies your state and replace all the statues with characters from that movie. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. you know, like. Alabama, it could be Sweet Home Alabama, starring Reese Witherspoon. Um, I, I actually really love that movie, and I don't even care. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I'm, I'm not even sorry about it. Like, I still that movie. Oh, like it's, I've only seen it once. The thing I remember the most about it is it is, uh, and this is you know something we talked about with Gross Point Blank. It is all the characters have jobs that don't make any sense that nobody has. Yeah. Where I think that guy's might be the most that's not a job job i've ever heard of where he is lightning beach glass sculptor something like that that is and he also he also flies a plane let's not forget okay i forgot that he also flies planes my bad yeah Um, yeah what is reese witherspoon is she like a some uh, kind of they, wedding what, planner or no like what are they always probably I feel like from she, the wedding planner yeah no she's like uh uh they, they're planning the wedding throughout the movie so i can That's see what, what it is. yeah but the, but i feel like she's like a magazine exactly like it's always like in these movies like those those rom-coms it's like they're, they're a big uh, writer at some ritzy new york magazine yeah. or publication or, a, or something like that or um, like an architect or something like that, yeah. I think she's actually, wow, we're, this is really going off the rails. I think she's something to do with fashion. She does, she designs clothes or something like that. And uh, Okay. And then, It's yeah. got to be that, because isn't that part of like what initially she mocks the guy yeah. she ends up with is because he dresses weird or yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this vague memory of her like, uh, not not to pardon the pun, but dressing him down yeah. uh, over his clothes. Yeah, but I exactly. could be mistaken about that. That may just be a thing that I think would have happened in it. It's hard to say. I'll find, here's what, I'm going to find just one random person that worked on that movie that was from Michigan, and then we'll we'll do Sweet Home Alabama. Because, <laughs> you, um, you know, clearly I don't, we're, I don't know if I want to do we're that. jonesing for it. No, yeah, we're I do wish, I wish there was a stronger Michigan connection I was trying to find one, but I didn't see anybody who of the main people 
who'd like even uh really even like lived here but i don't know are you talking about for robocop yeah for robocop not sweet Uh, home alabama it's not something (laughs) i spend a lot of my time doing don't worry i'll spend a lot of my time it'll be fine okay well you you do that (laughs) yeah Yeah. so is there is there anything else you wanted to discuss before we we wrap this up i mean we could probably go on and on about robocop but we we will next week time yeah (laughs) We see, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to mention a couple of quick hits. One, uh, the the scene where he walks back into his his former house um, that mm-hmm. is arguably like one of like again very simply done, but um, very emotional. Um, it kind of gives the the movie its heart, I would say. Um, and then, kind of related to that, I really love um, the way like when he first brings Clarence Boddicker into the, um, into the precinct and they say like, what's the charge? He it's after he's realized that he's the man who killed him. And Mm -hmm. he said, and instead of saying like, he killed me, he says he's a cop killer. And I just love the way that that's delivered. I think that's like just a pitch perfect line. Uh, Like I just, I think it gets everything just right with something simple like that. Like he's a cop killer. And it's like, you understand kind of the emotion behind the scene um and peter weller does a great job delivering that line um and then lastly you know again i think that even though it wasn't shot in detroit it does a good job especially with the the factory where murphy's gunned down and where the finale of the movie takes place um i think it it does a good job making us believe that it is detroit um so i Mm -hmm. i I don't think we could do this podcast without talking about RoboCop. Is why? No, you're like, you're probably right. It's it's yeah. too near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, um, exactly. Although uh, something I always want to make the caveat is because um, every and I probably have mentioned this before, but every celebrity in the world says they're from Detroit when really they're not. They're from like one of the richy areas around there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we are not from Detroit. We just like it. You know. Yeah. I um, frequent it, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm, da- I'm down there a lot. So, yeah. But, you know, I grew up in a suburb of Lansing, so I am not the uh, Detroit native that uh, I don't want to portray myself as a Detroit native. You know? Yeah, we are. We are Michigan native yeah. with a healthy respect for Detroit. There we go. There we yeah. go. Um, you know, something I, I, I just wanted to mention before we go is you know, I mentioned that Peter Weller kind of like nailed it. And I think that's something you have to, it takes some like realizing and like maybe reading about just how difficult it is to pull off how as an actor to like move and, and um, articulate speech when you're playing a character that has no emotion or isn't, isn't actually human. Like it, it, it does have to like take you out and like situate yourself in, in different, uh, environments and, and different, uh, in different ways of thinking basically. Um, so like apart from just the physicality, I think he hired the, I was reading that Peter Weller hired like a dance instructor or a movement coach, something like that from Juilliard to like work out how to actually move in the suit because the way they'd initially thought about it um, wasn't possible given how heavy it was. So they had to like make it a lot more deliberate and like his movements more um, like robotic in some respects. Cause you can see like how 
he he twists but he does he, his movements are very conserved like he doesn't yeah. move more than he needs to yeah you know everything's almost, minute you know yeah it's it's almost I, my mind just went to uh and i don't i'm not making light of peter weller's performance at all but um if uh if you if you saw if anyone saw the toy story 4 which um you know not not getting into a review of that but the way that keanu reeves portrayal of duke kaboom and the way that like he kind of like it's like action figure movements like you can only turn like your waist and then like your head follows kind oh, wait, of like matt you know that wasn't mocap right like yeah. they just animated it <laughs> no that's but that's like that's kind of like how he has to move in that yeah, suit yeah. is my point um, yeah that's true with that and i think like even i remember reading something about how the way like when you see him get in and out of the police car like that was something that was like a big to do because with his full suit on he they couldn't clear enough room between the steering wheel and the seat in order for (laughs) him to get out of there so i i forget what they did they either took the seat out or did they had to do some sort of form of like trickery to even do something as you know what we would perceive as being as simple as that Mm -hmm. um because of like to everything that you're saying like how difficult it was yeah and and even like just the difficulty of moving in that and trying to think through how to how that character would move it's also hard because it's physically demanding like yeah i think i was reading like peter weller was saying he was losing like three pounds a day just sweating um in like a hundred because they shot in dallas so it was like a hundred degrees in this giant like plastic and metal suit uh they had to like hook up like air conditioning to it because like you can't get out obviously it takes too long so i don't know just good for peter weller dr peter weller actually i think he has a phd in art history at this point yeah as well Um, he should so good for him that seems that seems fun and i am always i'm always in awe of him he seems like he's had a really good really good life (laughs) yeah yeah just done the things he wants to do so good for you peter weller yeah, he's hero. the only he's the only good thing in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. So you know, for whatever what that's was he worth. in Star Trek Into Darkness? He's uh, he's um, what's her name's father. He's like the bad guy who brought Khan. Like he huh. wanted to try and use his blood for some sort of you know mm-hmm. weaponized thing or something like that. But he's Carol Marcus's uh, father in in that, you know, and she's obviously okay. a major I, part of wrath of Khan. And yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that, uh, because I hated that movie and thought, yeah, it it's sucked. not good. It's not it's good, not but good he's, movie. he's no. great. You get, anytime you get to see Peter Weller, like yelling at someone in a movie, yeah. it's just great. No, that's always fun. Yeah. Um, there was something I, I wanted to mention and I'm not sure if I'm going to, if I'm going to do it. Um, so anyway, I think that's going to wrap up our RoboCop discussion. Unless there was anything else you wanted to you get into. Well, no, I'll just I'll slightly amend that and say our Ro- our RoboCop 1987 discussion. Oh, you're right, because because RoboCop 2014 is coming at you. So that's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. there, um, I, I'm not arguing that the remake is a good movie, but I will when we talk about it. I am going to try and highlight some of the things that I think work in the movie because I think it's an interesting failure is what I'll okay. say. Well, so. Matt, um, this has been fun. I know uh, a lot of the time I'm razzing your berries and, and maybe people think that um, I hate you 
on this. <laughs> and I hope, I hope that isn't the case because I do always enjoy having these conversations with you. So I want to thank you uh, for, for being on the podcast with me. Um, I want to thank our audience for listening to it and I hope they have a fun time. Um, you can uh, find us on Twitter. Um, we are going to be, ugh, I don't want to make any promises. Um, look for what you think we would be on Twitter. I haven't <laughs> made the account yet, but you're probably right. You're probably right. Let me say that. Um, look, look for at Razin My Berries. Yeah, and, there we go. And you'll find us. Um, but uh, beyond that, you know, please tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe on your chosen uh, pod catcher. Um, that's super helpful. Um, if you're from Michigan, you know, uh, take pride in the things that our state does. Because uh, sometimes we get a bum rep, but overall, I think we're pretty awesome. Yeah, sometimes we get a bum rap, but other times we get RoboCops, so there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think one RoboCop gives us um, some shitty voting in the last presidential election. Like, one pass. Yeah, exactly. I'm just No, it doesn't. This wasn't bad. (laughs) Like, fuck, Michigan, you fucked up. You fucked up and you broke my heart. Uh, I don't want to bring politics into it, but politics is in fucking everything, so get used to it, you crybabies. Anyway, fuck you. I'm out of (laughs) here. Pissed myself off all over again. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time when we talk about Robocop again. Uh, you know what, Matt? Hey, let's hear. Yeah. Here's a thought. Instead of watching the shitty remake, what if we just watch Robocop again? No. Just the first one. What if we just nope. do it and have another discussion about it? Oh no, we're not getting we're not getting through this podcast without me, you know, talking about my undying love for Michael Keaton. So it's happening. Okay, but he's got to have been in another Detroit-based thing, isn't he? Isn't Batman set in Detroit famously? Nope. Isn't nope. Batman famously set in Detroit? <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> what yeah. about Beetlejuice? That takes place in Detroit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Is there um, any? Are there any Michael Keaton movies besides RoboCop that are in Detroit? Let what me assure you. Noise? Let, let me assure you. If there were, I would know about. Them. <laughs> okay. Well, good point. Mr. Mom. Does Mr. Mom take place in Detroit? No. Um, last one. Multiplicity. Does multiplicity perhaps take I think place in a suburb is very of Detroit? Clearly, in I feel like it's in California, but I could. It's be a California. I thought for some reason I thought it was in Chicago, but you're probably right. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <sighs> I've tried to end this podcast now four times, but I just can't quit you, Matt. I don't know well, you. you know, it's RoboCop. What can we do? <laughs> uh, so we'll see you back here next time. Thank you, everybody. Have a lovely evening and a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>